Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of Bring the Heat, where we deliver the hottest takes. I'm your co-host, Paul Hansen, alongside Jenny Lombardo and Drew Hacker, and we have quite the episode for you all today. We will be dissecting different social aspects of college with a few do's or don'ts. Later on in the episode, we will be breaking down some notable moments from the NFL draft with our first special guest appearance. So sit back, grab a snack, and we'll be right back. Welcome, everyone, back to the second episode. Today, like Paul just mentioned, we have quite the episode. And we are going to be starting it off with breaking down a little bit of college tips and tricks um, for incoming freshmen or, you know, people that are just trying to adjust to the college life because it is really different from, from high school. And while we are not experts yet, we think that we can um, give off some of our wisdom and things like that from our our freshman year and some things that kind of helped us along the way. The first topic that we'll be talking about today is the concept of roommates because it is one of the first forms and applications you fill out for your school. One of the first people you get to know, depending on if you get to know them before school starts or the first person you see when you walk into your room. And so that's, we think, a pretty important part of sort of acclimating to school life as well as social life, depending on how your roommate goes. So we have a couple, how we got to know our roommates, our future roommates, sort of living styles in general. So we will be diving into roommates in the living aspect of college life first. Paul, tell us a little bit about your roommate, how you found them, if you're going to continue living with them, sort of how your first year living situation went. Sure. Yeah. So, um, Grinnell is kind of a like survey sort of thing that you fill out. Um, and you don't actually like, I know cause Drew, you also filled out something, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you, cause you got to pick from like a list, right? Once you kind of, yeah, did that it was kinda like a, it's kind of like a short, like survey type thing where you answer like a few really basic questions and then you have like a huge pool of, of people to choose from. Okay. Um, so that was kind of like mine, except that you just got automatically assigned someone um, from this survey. So no, no really say in who you're rooming with. Um, it's funny cause my roommate was, both of his parents are Kenyan profs. Um, so kind of mm. funny how that ended up. I'd say like the, the biggest part, if, if you're, you know, college, um, experiences like this before you get there, if you're going to fill out a survey, um, fill it out honestly, like, and definitely do it to, to the extent of like the person you are right now, not the person you want to be. So like, if you're, if you know, if, if you, if your room right now is messy, don't say that you're a neat person because that's just going to make things terrible down the line for both people. If your roommate is a neat person. Um, and I'd say like, I tried to fill mine out as best as I could. And I was super, super happy with, with my roommate, um, as a result. So I say just like, be honest is the number one thing. Um, and you know, try to, if you do like have a chance to get to know, um, the person beforehand, just like try to do that as much as you can, because it'll make the that sort of first conversation you have in real life much less awkward. Hundred percent. And Paul, I think you and I were, you know, obviously we had the same type of of platform to find our roommates, but we were a little bit on the opposite side because I did not take it as seriously as you did, and I regret that. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, my roommate and I like didn't have any like personal issues, anything like that. We just didn't 
connect on a level where we would go out of our ways to kind of hang out um, during free time. And there's obviously nothing wrong with that because actually one of the questions on the survey was like, do you want to be best friends with your roommate? Casual, like, you know, hang out occasionally or just kind of like, so, you know, we both like had an agreement that it was just kind of like a casual whenever we could thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But it wasn't at the same time. It wasn't somebody that, like I said, you know, I was going out of my way to, you know, hang out with, that would be more so hanging out with guys um, that I met in classes or, um, obviously like in my, my pledge class, but it's, it's a crucial thing. And so our biggest piece of advice for you guys is, you know, take the, take the time to actually fill it out. And I think Paul, that was a great point, how it's who you are now and not who you want to be. Um, because yeah, like we said, like this is the person you're living with in that small space for the entirety of the year. And it's, mm-hmm. it's something that you'll, uh, you'll look back on and you never forget your freshman roommate, no matter what good, bad, ugly, whatever. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, you hope that is great. And I think that that is our biggest, our biggest takeaway. Jenny, do you want to talk about your roommate a little bit? Yeah. So actually mine's pretty similar to your experience, Drew, my experience. So St. Lawrence, what they do is they have a first year program. You go in with one class out of your four classes that you take your first semester freshman year. And what it does is it's a writing intensive, research intensive course that sort of prepares you for different elements of college writing, college citation style, sort of how to be a good college student, like right off the bat. So that way you're not finding yourself unprepared down the line. And so there's a bunch of different topics that these courses can range from. The one that I took was Lord of Fantasy, sort of how J.R.R. Tolkien created Lord of the Rings in the realm of sort of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So we read all four books and we discussed them and all that with heavy influences from Tolkien's life but these courses then what St. Lawrence does is they have the, everyone on your floor also in that class so you right away off the bat you have people who are like in common with interests sort of everyone else, I guess likes the Tolkien books or sort of like the mythology sort of aspect in my class and other classes people might like art or specific like acting things or whatever whatever it is so it's sort of you have something in common in a class with people so you get to know them more so than you would have like having just like found them in the lunch hall or during orientation. So it's a pretty uh, unique experience that I actually really liked because I got to know some people in my FYP who I absolutely love. And I don't think I would have gotten the experience to get to know them without the class or living on the floor or whatnot. But my roommate and I, we're, we are friends. We're friendly. We aren't the best of friends. And so next year I'm living with one of my good friends, actually best friends on um, at school, Rebecca, she's on the ski team. But for like this first year living, it was amicable. Like there was no fight. There was nothing wrong. It was hardly that she was in the room way more than I was. I found myself out and about just like with other people or doing homework or like involved with like, sports or in the dining halls, like whatever it was, just not in the room itself. And so she was always there. She was more of like a homebody, like like to stay in the room and whatnot. And um, well, I didn't. It didn't ever really cause problems because when <laughs> the, we were to, apart way more than we were together, which prevented clashes. But even when we were together, it was pretty amicable. We just sort of cohabited our spaces pretty neatly and like and well together. So there was no problems. I definitely would say like fill the form out, honestly. And while like so there's definitely success stories and there's definitely like horror stories from like first year roommates. 
I would say mine is neither. It's not like a smashing success. It's not a horror story. It's just, it was what it was, but it was a great experience regardless. Um, but I definitely would say I like Drew's comment and like Paul's whole takeaway is who you are, not who you want to be, because that is huge. Cause it's always better to like meet someone and have them totally vibe with you off of like who you are now rather than totally try and force yourself to be something you're not. Golden rule. 100%. 100%. And I think that was the way you described it, and it was like our roommates seemed very similar. Mm-hmm. I was never, whenever I would be in the room, I, he was always in there. And it was at the point towards the end of the uh, end of first semester and beginning of second semester, I was only in my room like to sleep. Um, I was kind of just, I would wake up, go to class, and then I would either go um, straight to a friend's dorm or, you know, get food, things like that. Exactly. Um, and there's obviously nothing wrong with it. Like, like you said, it could have been a lot worse. I've had friends who have had um, much tougher times with roommates just because, you know, they're like psychologically, you know, and mentally not there, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, so like no complaints, but like in terms of, you know, was it my best friend? Was it someone I'm going to. Yeah. Great you know, people. No, no complaints, yeah. like good person, but like just not, not exactly who I was like, associating with outside of my room or whatnot i guess if that makes Mm -hmm. sense like i definitely had different people from like all different kind of people i guess if that makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) did that make sense at all because it didn't as soon as i edited it it didn't (laughs) cut that ball all right (laughs) (laughs) so you know obviously we just talked about roommates and um you know are they our friends and you know for the future for the long haul whatnot so let's talk about how to make friends in college so obviously your roommate that's aimed to be your day one you know friend like you got your base but like we just said um you know that wasn't necessarily the case for us so what did you guys do and we can this is kind of you know the base of the podcast we all have different experiences different school cultures things like that so what did you guys um find helpful for you guys in terms of finding friends, making a group. Just talk a little bit about that. Well, I was lucky enough to be on a team where I was early. I went early to school for preseason. I went like two, two and a half weeks early than even the freshmen who had orientation a couple of days before the entire like school came. So I definitely got a feel for campus and met some players from different teams as well who were there for the fall, like from the soccer team and the football team. So I got to know some people through there. A little earlier too but also my team was a huge like proponent of getting everyone involved in like the team culture and including everyone so that was like an absolute blast with everyone regardless of the three three days that we had for two and a half weeks that was brutal it was actually a lot of fun just being with the team and that was a great way to meet people and but not everyone is going to play sport in college which like doesn't isn't like necessary to make friends but it was like real um orientation while hellish just because of how kind of boring and monotonous it was it was back to the get to know you games that everyone feels like they played in freshman year high school and they sort of just like why can't we just do what we want at this point it was a semi-decent way to meet people or at least see people that you like think you wouldn't want to interact with and then honestly as classes started I think that was the easiest way to see who was in your class who lined up and I was just lucky enough to see people and like 
the training room or locker room or have like teammates who I would hang out with and their roommates who I would specifically hang out with so that's sort of how I got to find like a niche because it's just like as you go on you meet new people and then you discover like oh they, they sort of hang out with these people who I really like to and then you just sort of gravitate towards them and then your circle just like, keeps expanding because um as you meet more more and more people so I would always just meet I kept feeling like I would meet especially upper class because St. Lawrence is not a as big a school as Drew's nowhere near it it's sort of like a smaller liberal arts school it was definitely nice because I met a bunch of people in classes so I would have people in my Spanish class who I'd see like walking around and I would totally catch up with them and then I would have other people or upperclassmen even in my classes that I was just able to connect with and then you would see them out and about you would see them on a Friday Saturday night and you would it really just made meeting a lot of people so much easier and I have uh, I got really close with people especially during rehab like not that kind of rehab but like strength and rehabilitation with my athletic trainer in the off season, just uh, doing a bunch of exercises in the training room. And I met a bunch of different players from different teams there. So I came really close with some of the baseball guys and uh, a couple of football guys, especially too, just because they were always in rehab when I was in rehab. So you're mid exercise and we were getting crushed by our trainer who would be torturing us with Graston and, and rolling us out and stretching us out and then adding weights and sets to our exercises that was just grueling but we would always have so much fun just because we were all there like struggling so and again like anything you can do to just open yourselves up join clubs be open is 100% an easy way to meet people it's really not that hard because there's so many new people also looking to make friends that you really just you just got to put yourself out there and like accept the best like not everyone is going to be your best friend but just like make friends with as many people as you can and sort of just let it like let those who want to be your friends go towards you and then sort of just go with the flow with everything else it was just I like looking back had a lot of fun with everything well Jenny first of all thank you for clarifying the type of rehab um for <laughs> us and the viewers um I know you guys are all starting to donate to the GoFundMe page to get Jenny back <laughs> on her feet but don't worry she's I mean, not necessary <laughs> <laughs> anything helps i'd say like one of the things that you said that kind of stood out to me was like how kind of you like these mutual connections these circles um and you kind of like grow your own personal circle through like time being a college and i'd say that like definitely was like true with me um i met a lot of my closest friends through like classes actually um and just kind of like i feel like if you have a certain sense of humor other people will pick that up um and like you'll kind of start to meet people naturally through that and then um you know when you're at a small school like grinnell or st lawrence um it's definitely much easier to meet people but i think even in drew's case like you know mutual friends that's that's a huge thing so just try to meet as many people as possible even if you're kind of more introverted that's totally okay um it just i, I think the process of making friends in college is like something that will come to everyone in like its own way it, it doesn't have to be set for anyone so yeah, 100%. And I think that's the interesting aspect of a big school versus a small school is that at a school like mine where it's 35,000 students, um, not many people want to socialize during class. Um, and I think that that's it's funny because, you know, at a school like um, Grinnell or St. Lawrence, like you were just saying, like, it's, it's a much more um, community type thing, similar to Columbus Academy. Um, but you know, at a at a major school, uh, like a power five school, like there's people that 
just don't want to, you know, they, they're like in the zone. They just, they have their headphones in, their hoods up, like in class. So that's definitely not a way that I met people. Um, so my advice would be, so obviously, like I've said already, I rushed to fraternity in the fall. I went up a week early, similar to Jenny in terms of her sport, but, um, and that was, you know, so for me going to a school across the country, knowing literally one person going in, I had to make friends right away because I'm a very social person, would rather be out of my dorm hanging out with people than just, you know, inside like watching a movie by myself. So that was kind of like my, you know, first thing to check off for college to be happy and successful. So I went up early, you know, um, was fortunate enough to get into the house that I wanted to be in, um, you know, and so now I have some of my best friends that I look forward to seeing again in August. Um, and it just, yeah, right away, you just want to meet that group of people that, you know, you can consider your friends for life because um, it's a, a long four years of college if you can't, can't find that group. And I know plenty of people that have, um, that had, you know, tougher freshman years just because they couldn't, couldn't find that group right away. And they hold on to their high school dupe, their high school group dearly, um, which is obviously, you know, great. But I think that's the coolest thing is that, you know, on your after your freshman year or on your breaks, whatever, you're you're able to reconnect with your your high school friends and you guys can share your stories, share your experiences, kinda like what we're doing now. And, you know, one day like you get that crazy crossover where you have your best friends from college, meet your best friends from high school, your best friends from growing up. And it's a cool dynamic because you see a lot of similar traits that you you don't necessarily realize when you meet them, but when you can piece it together you can see why you like these people and like what you like about them, if that makes sense. So my biggest um, piece of advice is if anyone is going to a school that offers Greek life, um, whether it's a bigger school, smaller school, whatever, I think that that's a great way to meet people. Um, you know, it's obviously not for everyone. Greek life is not for everyone, but for me personally, it gave me um, my group of friends right away from day one. And uh, I think that it's really beneficial, not just obviously in the social aspect, but it's just also a great way to kind of put yourself out there, like like Paul and Jenny were saying, because it may sound, I mean, it may feel like very uncomfortable and, and kind of cringy to just, you know, put yourself out there to meet people, but it's what you have to do. It's kind of the work that you just, you have to do to, to get, get the friends that you want. So I think yeah. Greek life for sure is my biggest tip for people that are trying to make friends. And it's fun. I think just like going, meeting people like Paul said, classes, Drew said Greek, like any sports, anything is just sort of fun to meet people, get to know them and sort of see where it takes you. Because I had people who I met in my Spanish class who I'm really close with now. And it was just because we joked around at how equally or we were at speaking Spanish or conjugating verbs or, or mistaking aguacate for being catfish when in reality it's avocado. It's just funny things like that that I think really make college fun because it sort of gives you all the time and the like the equipment and everything necessary. Equipment's not the right word, but everything necessary to like, make as many friends as you want. It's sort of, I think it's like the law of attraction is what it's called. It's like what you put out, you bring back in. It's sort of like if you attract, if you put out like feelers for 
<laughs> to meet people like you'll bring them in it's just it's really fun honestly 100 percent. and like they're not gonna everyone's in the same boat they're not gonna come to you you can't just sit in your dorm room hoping that they knock on your door your best friend right so um everyone's in that same like awkward awkward state um you just kind of have to make it happen and and really just kind of market yourself in a way so that's our biggest piece of advice um and how to make friends for college for sure so switching it up a little bit, we're going to bring in a very special guest, our first special guest of the podcast series. Please welcome to Bring the Heat, Jacob Bree. Everyone, you know, Jacob Bree. Clap it up, clap it up, virtually, virtually. <laughs> um, so Jacob has been a good friend of all of ours for a really long time. We all went to high school together. He is currently at University of California, Los Angeles. And he is honestly one of the most knowledgeable, knowledgeable people our age on the NFL, sports in general. Him and I, big supporters of the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's it's obviously a tough, tough team to support. But, um, you know, so we wanted to bring him in, discuss the draft that just happened over the weekend. Jacob, just talk to us a little bit. Um, obviously, like I said, big Bengals fan, but as an overall fan of football, what did you think of the draft and kind of, it was obviously different this year being totally virtual. So just kind of break down what your thoughts were. Um, well, I didn't love uh, watching Roger Goodell make stupid jokes over and over, but um, I did love that uh, they decided to have the draft like at, at its like scheduled time, even if it was really different from how we're used to it being, because I think like, one of the things we all love so much about sports is that it kind of like helps us take our mind off of like what's going on in the real world. And obviously with all the sports being like canceled and stuff, we haven't um, gotten to have that over the past like month or so. So I think it was really important just to like to have the draft now and to give everyone kind of like something to talk about um, while sports are kind of paused. For sure. And I think, it was kind of cool, um, you know, obviously, like, the first round, especially, like, most of those guys on any given year would go with their families and whatnot and wait, be present, but, um, and some of the, you know, uh, analysts kind of said it, too, but it was cool seeing, like, them in, like, their home settings or, mm -hmm. like, just in, like, something that, you know, we usually wouldn't see, you know, most of the guys, like, especially on the first night, you know, the, the locks to kind of go in the first round, they kind of got all dressed up in their suits and whatnot. But, you know, as you kind of got to towards the later rounds, it was just kind of cool seeing those guys' reactions in their home setting, just, you know, in like sweatpants, like casual. That was kind of cool. And then, um, you know, like the Zooms, like with uh, with Goodell, you know, obviously he looked like he was pretty miserable towards the later the later rounds. But no, I think it was, it was cool. Um, I'm just obviously grateful that it happened because like you said, that was like our first form of sports. And God knows how long, but yeah, no. So um, what did you think in terms of, you know, like let's break down a little bit about some of the teams specifically. Did you think there was any teams that stood out to you that did really well in the draft? And then also some teams that kind of, kind of botched it a little bit. So talk to us about like some winners and losers maybe. Okay. So I'll, I'll start off with the winners. Um, I think a team that had a really good draft was the Jets. Um, what I loved is that they're kind of like creating a situation where 
Like, there are no excuses for Sam Darnold if he doesn't take a big step forward next year. And actually, like, the Browns are kind of doing the same thing with uh, Jenny's guy, Baker. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so the Jets, um, they take a left tackle in the first round, Makai Becton, to protect Darnold. And then they give him a weapon in the second round, Denzel Mims from Baylor. And it's kind of like if he doesn't produce next year, Sam Darnold, like, the fans are going to start getting impatient. And... I think something else that's really important is that um, with Darnold and Baker, actually, like the GM and coach that were there when they got drafted are both gone now. So like there's no loyalty anymore in within the organization and like they're not going to feel bad or anything about moving on if they don't start to like show signs of being really good. Um, and then later in the draft, they get Ashton Davis from Cal and Bryce Hall from Virginia, who are two of my favorite D-backs in the draft personally. So um, I just think they got a lot better. And I actually think Darnold's going to kind of break out next year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets uh, make the playoffs next year. Really? Yeah. Hot take. Hot take. Okay. Oh. That means that you think that they're going to get the wild card spot over the Patriots. Interesting. Yeah, I mean – because we both agree the Bills are winning that division, right? Yeah, the Bills are winning the division, but I mean the extra player. I respect spot that. Too. I respect that. True, true. Yeah. Extra player spot. Okay, go keep going. Um. Okay, I think the team that had the second best draft was the Cowboys. Um, CD Lamb at seventeen, I love one Steel. because yeah, Steel. one one because he's a monster, but two because I think even if they won't admit it. I think a big reason why they took him is because they knew Philly wanted him at 21. So I just yeah. love the concept of like taking a guy to keep him away from a division rival. Um, out of spite. Definitely. Yes. 100%. And all my Bengals fans out there will know what I'm talking about because we did the same thing um, <laughs> a few years ago. We took William Jackson to keep him away from the Steelers. So, um, and then they get Trevon Diggs in the second round. I thought he was Alabama's best defensive player, probably. Um, Tyler Biotich in the fourth round, who won the Remington Trophy, best center in college football. Mm-hmm. And then Bradley and I, I thought, was another steal in the fifth. Um, I just think, like, probably top to bottom, they got the most value of any team in the draft. So, I think – 100%. Did. And it's kind of unlike them, too, because I feel like that organization specifically, specifically – kind of struggle, has struggled in the past a little bit um, with their draft picks. And it's kind of been um, – obviously, they've gotten, you know, their two main guys, Dak and Zeke, are obviously great picks. Like, Dak coming out of the sixth round, I think. Um, and so, you know, they've gotten some value there. But, you know, they were a little a little shaky in the offseason. You know, they lost, like, Byron Jones, things like that. But, no, definitely they had a great draft. And I think what you said about C.D. Lamb is kind of um, – foreshadowing a little bit one of the teams that I think had one of the worst drafts mm-hmm. which was the Las Vegas Raiders because um, you know everyone they had two picks in the first round right they had 12 and 21 I think and they you know everyone was wondering are they going to go Judy or CeeDee Lamb which were by far the best two wide receivers in the class in my opinion and they went out of left field they got a great receiver Henry Ruggs but and Not best drafts, got to admit. Bathrobe on draft night really Unreal. showed up. No, you got to respect the guy. He was wearing the Old Spice bathrobe. He was dripping. But did he deserve to be the, you know, the, to go above, you know, his Alabama teammate who was outright 
better or CD Lamb? Probably not. Um, and it's sad too because I really like John Gruden, but that was a very very questionable. No, sorry, he didn't have they didn't have twenty one. They took nineteen and they went Damon Arnett. Who? Oof, jeez. That was out of left field for I remember I remember they had like people queued up and then they were like Damon Arnett and everyone was like oh oh no you knew that you know because obviously they have all the guys that they think are going to go first round like they have their highlights pulled up and like you know the oh yeah the guys behind the scenes have it already and you know when they heard Damon Arnett they had to search (laughs) deep in the files because and like Mel Kiefer was like this is a guy I thought was going you know tomorrow or like Mm -hmm. and you know we all thought when he declared, I mean, he obviously had to, but I was like, this guy's a stretch. Like, but you know, I mean, who knows things will work out in a certain way, but yeah. So definitely the Raiders were a team that I had not doing so hot. Also Eagles, hundred percent. Um, they, every, all my friends, you know, when, when they wanted, um, one of the four guys between rug, CD lamb, Judy, any of those guys that fell, um, Jefferson and Jefferson was there for them at at uh at their pick and they went in a completely different direction. They got Jalen Rieger from TCU, who, you know, really fast guy, can run. I think he ran a four three at the combine, but not I mean, Justin Jefferson caught 111 catches last year on the best team in college football. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that was a very, very questionable pick. Not as questionable as their second round pick, though. Jalen Hurts, wow, that that was really shocking. Um, Jacob, what do you think about that pick? Um, I hated it actually. <laughs> I hated, <laughs> I hate how um, just because and it, like I understand they they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, like he was a backup, there, and it's important to have a good backup quarterback. But I just think like some of these analysts go over the top with they're they're kind of hypocritical with like where the when the Eagles take a a quarterback in the second round that they don't necessarily need they're like oh they're so smart like they've shown how important backup quarterbacks are and then when other teams do it they're like you know why are they wasting this pick I just think like I just think like they're not in a position to I I think they're they're getting a little too cute like they won nine games last year like that's not yeah you're not you're not like an elite team or anything like I don't think you should be spending that pick on Jalen Hurts, but I mean, I mean, I think he's, I think he's fine. I think he's an NFL player, but I don't know. I didn't like the pick. I agree with you hundred percent and nine games in one of the weakest divisions last year too. Definitely. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was, is like, do you remember like that playoff game last year? They had Greg Ward at, as their number one wide receiver. Like that says something. That's a guy who played, he was a running back and a quarterback. You know, he didn't come to the league to play necessarily play wide receiver. And it's kind of like a Braxton Miller type. Like, so I was just shocked that they, A, didn't go Jefferson and B, went away. I mean, they just, they could have gone four wide receivers in the draft and been happy, you know, because like that's what the Broncos did. But definitely, definitely. Um, Going back to the winner's side for a second, I think also the Vikings had a really, really good draft. So like we were just talking about, they snagged Justin Jefferson, one pick, after the Eagles had their selection. And then they got some really, really good value in the back end of the, uh, of the draft. Um, I think that, you know, they got Yutur Gross Matos in the second round, um, mm-hmm. who's a stud. And I think that he should have gone in the late first round, in my opinion. 
But I think, yeah, I like Coach Zimmer a lot. Um, you know, he was obviously the Bengals defensive coordinator for a really long time. And I think that the culture he's building there is really, really great. They lost to fun digs in the offseason, which is tough. But, you know, they'll just – Justin Jefferson's a great replacement, and I think that their defense will be continually strong. And I'm really – this just honestly really fired me up for the season. Um, I think especially when you when you like, you know, certain college guys, you, like, love to see how they're going to adjust in the NFL. And this draft specifically, just because I'm never one to watch – you know, too late until like the second or third round. But I mean, this was the only form of sports that we've had on in the last month. So I think I was, I was like posted on the couch for the entirety mm-hmm. of the draft basically. And just kind of like, it was interesting because, you know, seeing some of these guys that you've never really heard about. Um, it's just, I don't know. I just, this year, especially they knew that they kind of had to to nail the the whole draft process. And I think that they did a really good job. So mm-hmm. And then do you have any other teams that you think did particularly bad or stood out to you in a way or? Yeah. So um, I think the team that actually had the best draft was the Chargers. I love what they did. Um, I think I was really surprised. Uh, this Joel Klatt, a uh, college football analyst that I, mm-hmm. I absolutely love. He, um, he said he wouldn't take Justin Herbert in the first round at all. And I was really surprised by that because I, like couldn't disagree more I actually really like Justin Herbert and I think he's absolutely a franchise quarterback and then they trade back into the first round and get Kenneth Murray at 22 which he was was, yeah I was praying he would fall to the Bengals at 30 yeah I love him and I mean like the fact that he turned himself into a first round pick after playing on those god-awful Oklahoma (laughs) defenses literally that's impressive yeah that tells you all you need to know about him and um I mean even got our guy KJ Hill from OSU mm-hmm. in the seventh, so that was great to see. But um, I think they got two legitimate like cornerstones for their team for the next like ten, fifteen years. And yeah, I think I think they had the best draft. Hundred percent. And I think I'm really skeptical on Herbert just because, you know, like obviously we both go to schools in the Pac-12. We know that the the respective defenses aren't that great. But I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's got that you know pro type arm and build he's like six six can just throw the deep ball so I mean we'll see I I mean I hope he does well I'm I think they're thankful that Tua was selected in front of them because I think that they would have gone Tua if they were both on the board and I think that Herbert's probably the better move just because you know you're guaranteed a guy that's healthy right away and and things like that but no I think the Chargers definitely had a great draft um honestly it's it's a great day to say this for me but I can proudly say I think that the team that had the worst draft was the New England Patriots, believe it or not. One of the worst drafts. Um, you know, they went with a second – their second-round guy went to a Division two school that I've never heard of. Um, you know, obviously they needed a quarterback, and they didn't draft one. They picked up two guys today. I saw um, one that was uh, from Michigan State who, you know, he's all right, um, nothing special. But, you know, everyone was kind of wondering if they were going to take Fromm or, or Eason or even Hertz, but they just, they're just they just happy and content with Sidham, I guess. So I'd like to wish all of my uh, Patriots fans out there congratulations on six wins um, the 2020-2021 season. Um, 
So yeah, no, this is something that we'll never we've never seen in our lifetime where Brady isn't gonna be under center for them and they're just gonna be in like the complete rebuild period. And who knows too, because it's it's Bill, right? So who knows? Maybe they're tanking and trying to get Trevor Lawrence or something, but I think it's gonna show actually who's a bandwagon Patriots fan and who's a real one after the next season. It's really gonna weed out the the bandwagoners. (laughs) No, but overall, I mean draft was definitely a success um i think that it obviously gave us all what we wanted it my i made a mock draft personally it was incredibly wrong for the first round uh, with a few (laughs) of my friends from school and they're all loving life right now you know the cardinals fans out there obviously they had a great draft too but um no i think the draft was great and you know i'm happy that we got that and hopefully we can get football in the fall with, with some fans there, but who knows, Jacob, what's your stance on that? What do you think? What's your prediction? Will we have football this year and will it be with or without fans? Um, I mean, obviously I hope we have it with fans. I, uh, I don't know how realistic that is. Um, I think the NFL would definitely be better without fans than college would be without fans. Like, I, I can't even imagine college football without fans. <laughs> Literally. Terrible. I mean, like, just imagine, like, Lee Corso putting on the mascot head and just pure silence in the background. <laughs> Literally. That's, like, so fa- that's so true. It would be awful. But, um, I mean, at this point, I'd probably take football any, in any form it 100%. comes. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it's, like, a little thing is, like, the marching band, too. Like, you don't realize it, but, like, it's, like, that's one of like the small, like a big aspect of the game and of the atmosphere, but that a lot of people forget about. And it's, yeah, no, hundred percent. College game day is, is one of the better things of college football. And yeah, no, definitely. So. Yeah. Crazy. Football over no fan football would be a huge blow to the heart. Like that would be the most demoralizing. Yeah. hundred percent. And I know like players themselves too, like say that they, can't play the game without the fans, without, you know, whatever it is, their family, whatever, in the stadium. And it would actually be – it'd be cool to say that we've seen it, like a sport that we all, like, love without fans, but would it be the same? Probably not. But yeah. So, Jacob, let's just talk about a few teams that were on the, you know, the lower half. No, I'm going to start over. That was bad. Um, okay. Pause the recording, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it um, continues. Which, which time, which teams do you want to talk about, Jacob? Like, without recording. Um, well, the three teams I have that were bad were the Falcons, Packers, and then Raiders. Yeah, um, okay. So. Okay, so I'll just say, which teams do you think? Okay. All right, Paul, you good? All good. So, Jacob, um, we were obviously just talking about some teams that had some success in the draft, but let's talk a little bit about some teams that did not perform so well. Do you have any key teams that stick out to you in terms of teams that kind of lost the draft, if you will? Yeah, I think the Falcons had a really bad draft. So, <laughs> they have at, at 16, they take A.J. Terrell, the corner from Clemson. And, I mean – I just hate this pick so much. I mean, like, 
the, the last time we saw this man in a helmet and pads, he was getting roasted in the national title game. And like, hundred percent. I just, I just thought it was such a reach to take him at sixteen. I understand they needed a corner, but like, if you, if you're really targeting him, like, move down or something. Mm-hmm. In the second round, they take Marlon Davidson. Um, if you don't know who this guy is, he's the guy that got to play alongside the best D tackle in college football, um, Derek Brown. So like all the double teams and extra attention that Derek Brown saw, like Marlon Davidson was the one that got, like got to benefit from that. And like, even with all that, if you watch him play against Alabama, he just looks like overmatched. So mm-hmm. I, I just think like, especially with how much better the Bucks got this off season, like the Falcons really needed to like, they needed to get this draft right to kind of like give themselves, a, give themselves a chance to compete in the next few years. And I just don't think they did at all. Hundred percent, and I like yeah, like you said, that division has gotten so much stronger, and I completely agree with you. I think that they just did not make any improvements at all, and they're in for a very, very long season next year, to say the least. And then you said you had a few more teams that you wanted to cover. Yeah, so I, mean, I hate to do this to Paul. I know Paul's a big cheesehead over there, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I, but I think the Packers had a a terrible draft. I mean, had to say it. Had yeah. To say it. So at twenty six, they take Jordan Love, the quarterback from Utah State, and then to to basically be be Rogers' backup. And then in the second round, they take AJ Dillon, the running back from Boston College, to be like Aaron Jones' backup, mm-hmm. and like. My problem is that, like, like if you're the Packers, you, you just went 13-3 and three in your coach's first season, and you made it to the NFC title game. And the team that beat you in that game, the Niners, like, they lost Emmanuel Sanders. They traded away DeForest Buckner, Matt Breida, Marquise Goodwin. Like, I mean, they still have hot garbage Jimmy G at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, like, they got worse. So, like, if you're the Packers, you're – your path to the Super Bowl is like wide open right now. And with your first two picks, you're gonna take two guys that like won't you see the even, field basically. Yeah, you're not even planning on helping you win this year. I just I didn't like it at all. And like I understand like Rogers is getting old and Aaron Jones he's going into a contract year, but like and they're trying to build for the future, but like your window of opportunity to win a Super Bowl is right now. And I, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I 100% agree with you. And it's kind of interesting, too, because the reason that they lost that NFC Championship game last year was their run defense was atrocious. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that Devontae Adams has absolutely zero help yeah. at the wide receiver position. So this is just this was just weird for me because it 100% agree with you. Like, I think Rodgers has three, four years left that he can still, you know, contend for the for the Super Bowl. And they just did not help him in any single way possible I think if anything they hurt him more Mm -hmm. mentally they kind of put him on the clock with with getting Jordan Love and I don't know I mean obviously who knows it worked when they drafted you know Rodgers really high and they put him behind Fred Farr for a year and he's obviously been one of the dominant quarterbacks of the league for the last 10 years but this was just really really weird and I don't know I think that they could have done a lot more they could have gotten a quarterback with you know, maybe not as been as good, but they got an Eason or a, a Fromm, something like that, much much later, and you know, spent their picks. They could have gotten some really good value wide receivers or just any defensive help. But I don't know. This is just this is just a weird pick, weird weird team that drafted 
And I don't know what to expect from them, especially because teams in their respective division are, you know, going to get much better. And I think that they are going to have a tough season next year for sure. And then is there another team that stuck out to you that kind of kind of botched a little bit? Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Raiders had the worst draft. I mean, <laughs> like, I'm I'm not even going to get into the fact that they use they have needs on defense, and yet they use three of their first four picks on wide receivers, one of whom converted to quarterback in college and is now apparently going to play running back for them. But like, no way. Yeah, but like, aside from all that, Damon Arnett at 19. I mean, mind blowing. I enjoy seeing Ohio State players get drafted high as much as anyone, but like it's clear that the Raiders front office didn't watch a single snap of his first three years that he played at Ohio state because like, cause if they did, they would have seen quite possibly the worst corner to ever step foot on that campus. He literally like, quit football. His dad had to convince him to lace him back up. Like he was literally done with the sport, ready to just move on. And now he, he had a, he had a solid season, but keep in mind he was playing opposite side of the best cornerback in football, college football. Yeah. yeah so I mean, like, in his first three years, it was just, like, the fact that we were trotting him out there every week was just so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I understand, like, he had a good year last year. Like, he, he got his act together, finished his college career strong. He was good. But, um, like, and he also, he played through a broken wrist, which, like, obviously I appreciate. But, like, there's just no way that he should have <laughs> been a first-round pick. I mean. 100%. I just and it's it's I honestly feel good for the Raiders fans because you know obviously the Oakland true Oakland fans you know that've been with the team for a while they obviously just got their team relocated to Vegas and the draft was going to be in Vegas yeah and the reason that I feel good for them is that they would have had to seen that live and in person and no 100% that was an awful draft really really rude for John Gruden um for him as like a coach and a person but that was just Awful, 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 awful. Well, first of all, we'd like to extend a huge thank you to Jacob Bree, our first guest appearance and our favorite sports enthusiast. He's got a lot of love for the game. And as you can see, he can back up. He talks the talk, walks the walk. Uh, Jacob, congrats on UCLA first school year, almost in the books. We'll have you on later in the podcast for uh, more sports. And Thanks for tuning in, guys, to episode two. We hope you liked what we have. Uh, stay tuned for more content in the next coming weeks. We've got episode three queuing up already on the way. Um, and as always, stay fuego, shorties. <laughs>